0: welcome in to the Wednesday Bible study here we are uh, continuing our journey through the book of Genesis if you can believe it we are in we we're in month 10 uh, walking through Genesis today it'll be Genesis chapter 40 if you want to go ahead and turn there uh, as you are turning to Genesis chapter 40 I want to give you you know always update you on what's going on this is a Bible study that at its foundation is a men's Bible study even though I know that there are women uh, that watch this uh, either live or archived, and you are certainly welcome, especially when we're just walking verse by verse through the Word of God. But when you hear me talking about what's going on with men's ministry, just be patient because uh, it's brought to you by Manchurch.com. We're coming uh, to you from the Rick and Bubba Studios. I'm Rick Burgess, uh, co-host of that show and director of themanchurch.com, and we are excited. Now, I know men's ministry been doing it a long time, and I am a man. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to keep telling you about this Man Church Conference coming up uh, Feb- uh, in February. First one we've ever had, and it's designed uh, by the ManChurch.com for you to be able to come, hear some of our teachers, uh, be able to go to a breakfast to answer questions and network with other churches that may be doing it. So in case you're considering it, we'll be also introducing... Uh, our fourth curriculum, we'll be introducing a brand new resource. Uh, we're going to also have time in fellowship after it's over. If you desire big time entertainment in Oxford, Alabama, a dear friend of mine that I grew up with, that's his, uh, his business. And that we can go after it's over, go over there, ride go-karts. We can play, we can bowl. We can do all kinds of, of stuff at big time entertainment. So it's going to have discipleship. It's going to have high challenge. It's going to have fellowship all in one conference. Now, one thing that's also different about our conference is the seats are reserved. So this is not i got to get there and stand outside till they open the doors, run and get the seat, try to get my group together, and then I come back Saturday morning I may or may not get those seats again. Uh, that We're not going to do that. We're going to reserve the seats so you you got your seats for the weekend and it's done, okay, no matter where you're traveling from. But let, we're, this is not an arena. It's a performing arts center, so there's only about 1,100 seats. So we're not talking about five thousand seats, ten thousand seats. So I mean, it it's likely going to sell out. We're about halfway there now. So what I don't want you to do, and I know men's ministry, you put this off, you put it off, and also you're like, hey, let's go to that man church conference, and then all the tickets are gone. Okay, if you can't handle it, get the women on it. Let them go ahead and get online, get the tickets for you, whatever. They network better anyway. But don't miss this. Uh, we're going to have a, a great time, but we're also going to going to learn a lot. And we don't just have – we mainly have our teachers that you hear us talking about, but uh, I'll be doing two sessions. Rich Wingo will be doing Andy Blanks will be teaching. But we're going to have a guest pastor, and you're going to love this young pastor, ReCab Gray, if you want to research him. He has agreed to come in and be our guest speaker because we definitely want to have a guest if we decide to keep doing this. Now, will we continue to do this? I don't know. Uh, if, if we, if we, if everybody comes and we have a good turnout, we probably will. If, uh, if, if we don't have many people come, we probably won't, uh, because you know, you go, okay, that, nobody interested in that. We, we move on to other, the, the other thing at the heart of it. We're always going to be curriculum is at the heart of what we do. Cause that's the one thing that we put together and provide that there's really no other ministry that provides that. Uh, but, uh, but the, uh, having a conference that is our own. Uh, we want to try this because, frankly, trying to attach ourselves to other conferences has not gone the way we would like for it to go. Uh, and we know if if it's our conference, then we'll we'll absolutely not just say we care about discipling the men who come will actually do it so so this is something that we will be controlling from top to bottom and we'll see how it goes so it's uh, never tried it before we're doing it in my hometown oxford alabama which is a nice central location that should be pretty close and able to get to from a lot of places uh but uh, even though you hear february you're like well that's that's a long way out there i mean these tickets are going to be gone uh, by the end of the year and if you wait and we even have some available when we come back after Christmas. They're going to cost more. So go ahead and, and, and make the move and, and get this done and be done with it. So go to themanchurch.com uh, and click uh, right there on the logo, and you can go through and get your seat set up, and then, and then you're done with it. it. It's behind you. You will – I've had some of the leaders say, now what's the thing about the breakfast? If you get a ticket – You'll, be, you'll, you'll receive an email that will ask you a question, do you want to attend the breakfast? No extra charge for that or anything, and we just need to know if you're coming so we'll have enough food. I'll be there. Helmsy, who has been teaching our curriculum, will be talking about the great ways to teach it either in person or if you want to try to teach it online, however you want to do it, we'll answer any questions you may have. So it'll be a great time to find out the latest uh, uh, resources available from themanchurch.com and spend some time with other churches that are doing it around the country, or maybe you're not doing it at all and you just like to find out about it, or you just want to come to a conference. Either one works, so you can do that at themanchurch.com. If you want to find out where other man churches are going on, Go to themanchurch.com. You'll see that in upcoming events, too. All of our guys are going out. We've got a number of them coming up at the end of October and into early November, and you can find those at themanchurch.com. Then go uh, to one of those near you, and you can plug right into the uh, strategy going on at a church that might be close to you if your church isn't doing it. All right, so let's open in a word of prayer, and let's jump in to Genesis chapter 40. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the men who have, who make this a priority. Thank you, Lord. Uh, We do this from from Alabama, uh, and uh, we have been in desperate need of some rain, and you were providing that for us uh, today when we're doing this Bible study live, and thank you for that. Also, thank you for the ongoing good news uh, that we continue to get, help uh, uh, our brother Jerry continue to recover from this back surgery. Thank you for the great news we just got on Rich Wingo, uh, who had neck surgery uh, that was tedious uh, this morning. All good news coming from that, and, of course, the fabulous news uh, from Bubba, who is the co-host of our, of our of the show, and the great news that we have continued to receive uh, with his cancer. So we pray, Lord, that you continue to, uh, to hear us, continue to refine us, and, Lord, please continue to teach us uh, as you give us the power to be the men that you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so... I want to read something to you before we jump into Genesis 40 because this is going to be one of those historical events that if you're not careful, uh, the adversary or our flesh is going to kind of creep in and say, wow, so uh, so God just um, knows we're in trouble and leaves us in it. Uh, yeah, so, so, some, sometimes he does. Um, now, it's not he's not going, well, I forgot about you or I didn't know about this. He's always doing something. But I want you to see as we've been trying to make sure we understand in this study of Genesis, if you want to understand the end you got to understand the beginning and you're going to see all these foreshadowing things from from the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to the revelation so I want to show you this concept that we're going to see Joseph in today when he he has found himself in prison if you remember last week for what for doing the right thing <laughs> You okay with that? I mean, he 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 found himself in prison. He lost his gig, which was a sweet gig uh, for a slave. Um, and and now he's in prison because he did the right thing. Uh, and you're going to see that not only does God know he's in prison, he's going to leave him there a while. Uh, and, and you're going to see something uh, like that today. But I, I want you to understand if you're familiar, more familiar maybe, uh, with the New Testament, anybody here familiar with uh, a man called the Apostle Paul? Uh, big deal, kind of, kind of one of our heroes of the faith. Uh, if it, it quickly bef- hold hold Genesis forty, but I want you to look at Second Corinthians eleven. Uh, again, there's so many places in Scripture I honestly don't understand. I don't mean this to be mean, because I have been I I had a period of my time in my life where I was deceived and had bad theology as well. I honestly don't understand how anybody believes in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I, I don't even see how that's possible. Uh, if, if you've studied Scripture at all, it it is so destroyed so many times. So this is when Paul uh, is uh, is starting in verse, um, uh, verse 22, and he's asking, he says, are they servants of Christ? Uh, and, and he's talking about all the things that have gone on. He said, I'm talking... Uh, like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. He's talking to this church at, at, at Corinth, and he's very upset with the with the open sin that he's that he's being getting reported to him from Chloe about what's going on. You might remember when we did our study of First Corinthians. Well, here in second Corinthians, he he's talking to them. and and making them understand that some of this false theology does not hold up. And he says, have I not been redeemed by Christ? Did I not plant this church? Do y'all not know me? And he says, let me run a resume for some of the things that have happened to me. And he says in in 24, five times I received at the hands of the, the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Remember, if they did 39, it wasn't considered cruel and unusual. So, so they'd run them up to, to the 39, uh, three times. I had been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked a night in a day. I was adrift at sea, uh, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from these things, he said, now that if that's not enough, I'm under constant pressure of what's going on with all these churches I planted. I'm having to take care of all these churches that I have planted. And he said, and I am in constant pressure on me for all the churches who need me. And I now like, I'm having to come back and revisit y'all. I thought I had y'all set up. Now y'all are drifting. He's saying, look, this is the life that I am living devoted to Jesus. How does anybody know this part of Scripture in many other places and let some false prophet get up there and convince you that if you're really right with God, bad things will happen to you? Anybody ready to say Paul wasn't right with God? I mean, this is the guy that's going to receive the crown of righteousness, he says, when he dies, that he fought the fight, he ran the race. He did. He, once, he, once he was uh, uh, completely changed, when he encountered Jesus, and became a follower of Jesus. What did God Himself, our Lord, what did He tell Ananias the instructions to go tell Paul? Go find Paul and tell him all he must suffer for me. That was the. F- Can you imagine? Would any of us in marketing? There's a lot of us in here that I do marketing for a living. Can you imagine that marketing plan? So, well, how do you want me to pitch them on trying to get them to buy this product? Tell them if they buy it, they're going to suffer and their life's going to be miserable. Can you imagine that? See, and, and this is the part, and, and my wife says it beautifully uh, in, in the book that she wrote. We gotta stop believing it's one of those things that sounds good. It just isn't true. Okay? That that God's ultimate goal and ultimate plan for us is that we be happy. That's not it. It's that we be holy. It is not that we be happy. Nothing wrong. I mean, he's not against happiness. It, you know. Because here's the thing that I'll tell you, speaking from my own experience. If you want true joy, not the world's version of happiness, then it is to be holy. If you're completely devoted to Christ and you lay your head on your pillow every night and you don't think you have compromised Christ and you believe that you're under his authority and that he has defeated eternal death and that's who you are now, if that doesn't please you, If that doesn't give you joy beyond any happiness the world could give you, then something's wrong. You may not have that relationship. So then you go, okay, well then now I don't get upset when God does things we're about to see him do to Joseph because I understand that God's goal never was that Joseph be happy. His goal was that Paul and Joseph and Rick and put your name in here, that they actually be holy, that they glorify him and that he's going to do whatever he has to do to be sure that he has trained us appropriately many times through suffering so that we can glorify him, which is actually his goal. Not that we'd be happy, but that we find joy in being right with him, period. That's why Paul says, wherever I am, calamity, I have a lot, I have a little. I just found out that I was fine in any of it. I, I was at peace with all that. Because I've learned to be right with Christ no matter the situation he puts me in. And uh, and and so that there's so much scripture that screams this, so when we look at what happens to Joseph here, we honestly should not go, well, I don't understand that. No, God does this all the time. And he's been doing it from the beginning. So now turn with me in Genesis chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40. So... So are we, are we good on that? I know we've talked about this a lot, but I figure I just think we don't talk about it enough. I want to be sure we're repping this because the adversary loves to try to catch you by surprise when something doesn't go the way it goes. Look, here, perfect example. Okay, so a, a, a devout follower, uh, a, a, I, have, I have devout followers of Jesus in my life, and I am so thankful for all of you and all of them. And so I told you that today, this very day that we're in, uh, that Rich Wingo, who's a dear friend of mine, uh, and, and, and of course a, a lot of you know him too, and either an acquaintance or a friend of yours, and, uh, and you know his devotion to Christ. And uh, uh, he's actually coming to speak to our men at my home church on November the 4th, and I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, but he had neck surgery. He showed me the neck surgery that he was having. He played football back when we didn't lay quarterbacks down you know, for nighty night. I mean, everybody really hit each other, like, really hard. And, of course, his body has taken a beating from that. Uh, And uh, he doesn't complain about that, but his body has has taken a beating, and they they realized that they looked at his neck, and it did not look the way it should look. But they said, it's tedious surgery, but I believe that we might can alleviate some of your misery. But it's going to be tedious. It could go really good or it could go really bad. So, of course, he reaches out and says, Just heads up, surgery's in the morning. I want you to pray for me. Well, I know he's already taught me how to pray for him and not pray for him, so here is the prayer. Lord Jesus, I love Rich Wingo, and I know his desire is to serve you. I'm thankful for for the brotherly love you gave us and speak of in your holy word. We are honored to be your disciples, and we fully understand what we deserve. We know that we we suffer in order to be refined into something more like you. We also know you are gracious, and we can never repay the debt we owe. We are fully committed to you regardless of our circumstances. However, I pray the surgery is a miraculous success, so much so it draws people to you. Help Rich to be a sermon as he goes through the process. Lord, I pray not that he gets better uh, for a better quality of life for himself or for us to have more fun together so he can serve you better and finish well. We love you, Jesus. My brother's in your hands, and, and that and that alone gives us both much peace. May your will be done, period. And so however that went today, we both would have said, praise to you. You have spoken because you know what's best. And our goal is not so we can have more fun or goof, or goof off. Our goal is to be how can we serve you best because that's what you've called us to, not for us to take the time you've given us and squander it on constantly searching for something that, that gives us pleasure. And, and if you can't find pleasure in being right with God, then something's probably wrong. So, uh, so we know that, uh, that Joseph finds himself uh, now in prison because he did the right thing. Uh, and let's look at uh, chapter 40, and it says, Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt, and his baker committed an offense against the Lord, the king of Egypt. Now, we don't know what they did. Uh, we don't really have any any idea. And sometime after, uh, that just means some time has passed. Moses doesn't get real specific here. We don't know how long that Joseph has been in jail at this point when these two people come into his life. We do know that uh, that because 39 told us, he has been given some responsibility at the jail again because why? The Lord's with him. People see that he's different, uh, and therefore that's grace from God that he usually is given the best gig available. You know, (laughs) I know it's slavery and I know it's prison, but there are different experiences when you're a slave or a prisoner, and God has been gracious that Joseph usually wins the favor of those that are in charge of him. Uh, So we don't know how long he's been there. Here's what we know. If we look at uh, chapter 37, verse 2, we know Joseph – uh, when his brothers uh, were upset with him, he was seventeen. Moses tells us that. We also know it, it when I mean, or look to the future. We'll know that when he and he stands before Pharaoh, he'll be thirty uh, years old. Uh, when he stands before Pharaoh, so we know then in forty one forty six he's thirty, and we know in thirty seven two he's seventeen. So we can deduce that he spends thirteen years in prison. That's uh that's a long time. When you did the right thing, uh, so so we we don't know at what, what stage these men come into his life, uh, but anyway he places uh, these officials. Uh, it would appear um, uh, for uh, you know when they, when they first arrive on the scene, and we start unpacking this story, the first thing that we think is what here's God coming through. He's going to put these guys in there. They're going to have these dreams. Joseph is going to interpret these dreams. One of them's going to get fired up when I'm not so much uh, and and is and and it, hey god has provided joseph's way out right that that's how we would write the story god doesn't always do that um god prepares us for greatness and listen to this here comes a write down are you ready this is a write down sometimes god prepares us for prepares us for greatness for the kingdom of god not necessarily the world by tempering the process of our suffering. We don't like that, do we? Why aren't you delivering me from this, God? Because I want you to be great. So you're going to leave me in this? I am. Why? So you so you can be used for the kingdom. And if I if I take you out right now, you won't be as good as good to me as you will be if I leave you a little bit longer. So you can say to God, "Just be ready for this," because I don't want you to I don't want you to be find yourself disillusioned you know disenfranchised you may say to god i'm suffering which he already knows and i pray that you deliver this deliver me from this and god may say i will when not anytime soon but i will so not by the weekend not by the weekend so you know my situation i do when will you deliver me when i'm ready but more importantly, when you're ready. Are you good with that? I mean, that is, the, that is the biblical truth. And if you don't believe that, then be careful. Now you're starting to create a God, and I'm starting to create a God that we're more comfortable with as opposed to God allowing us saying to God, make us something you're more comfortable with. And you know how he makes us more comfortable to be around? A lot of times through suffering, difficulty, humbling, as Paul has just told us. So uh, so let's look at uh, what happens there. So we know these two guys uh, get there. Now, y'all know the the background of this. A lot of you know this historical event pretty pretty well. Uh, but you know that uh, the, the baker is pretty straightforward. It, it, the Egyptians had all kinds of stuff they did with baking goods, some of it for worship, some of it just for partying. And then, of course, the cupbearer. We know what the cupbearer's deal was. Uh, that's an that's a, that's a important job. And, and it can be a little dicey. Good gig, but it can go real bad if somebody's out to get the king. And that is the king doesn't drink anything that you don't drink first. And why would that be? People love to poison kings uh, so that they can be king or they can overthrow a king. So if you're the cupbearer, good gig because the king needs you. But apparently, and we don't know what happened, uh, this baker and this cupbearer, and you know these kings could be very, very sensitive and they can go off on a whim they were maniacal and they did something that upset him and he sent them both to the same prison uh, where uh, we find Ju- Joseph, and we, we, we confirm that with verse 2. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cuff-bearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. Now, what do we know if they got put in the prison where Joseph is confined? We know this captain likes Joseph, so he's now serving them. He's, he's part of taking care of them. Uh, working there with the captain. Verse 4, the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them. You see that being affirm, uh, confirmed again. And uh, and he attended to them. They continued for some time in custody. So underline that, some time. We don't know how long it is, but Moses wants us to know it didn't happen quick. I mean, he, he, he hung out with them a while before we get down to these dreams. Um, and one night they both dreamed. That's important the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison uh, each his own dream and each dream with his own interpretation so moses is being very clear here inspired by god we're not talking about same dream we're not talking about we're talking about they're in two separate places two separate men dreaming two separate dreams um, and, uh, and and that's going to be important because as you may know this historical event the dreams vary quite a bit Uh, When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he sees that pretty quick, which means he's got to know them pretty good. Verse 7, so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody uh, in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, we've had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. Okay, so go all the way back to Joseph as a teenager. He had dreams, didn't he? And he really upset his brothers and at one point even his dad by telling them the dreams. But what, what was this showing us? It was Scripture establishing that when Joseph gets to this situation, whatever, however old he is now, somewhere in this 13-year period that he's in prison, that God has already made sure that he's established that he's given Joseph the gift to interpret dreams. It also feels a real Daniel-like, too, doesn't it? Okay. Uh, so um, so anyway, um, uh, so the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, it, it, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. He's a cupbearer. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Uh, then Joseph said to him, uh, this interpretation The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Well, wow. so so the cupbearer he he gets uh he gets good news. Uh and um and and this is uh, this is what um, what this guy was probably counting on, um, and and so this means that it related to his job, uh, and uh, and he's told him that with speed and ease, uh, you will find your way back in good standing with the king, and that's going to happen in three days. If you're the cupbearer, you're like you really like Joseph right now. You're you're thinking that's pretty good. Well. Um, not 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 so good coming up here in a minute but uh so 14 now this is big hang on to this but we're gonna spend a little time here joseph says to the cupbearer when he tells him that he's going to to be put back where he was apparently the king must just got mad about something that wasn't that big a deal and he's basically telling him he's gonna get over that and you're gonna be fine must have been a good cupbearer i don't like the one i have now you know whatever but um So Joseph said, only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. 15, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. And what do we say? All of us watching the little movie. Forgetting this is a historical event, we want to make it into a movie. Oh good, oh good. Joseph has been wronged. Uh, he was he was he didn't lay a hand on Potiphar's wife. He said, "I will not sin against God." He did the. They keep in mind. It, you think well, you might not be rewarded for being good to Potiphar. Potiphar did believed his wife. He never knew you did him, and good. Any good? But we're all screaming at the screen for watching the movie, aren't we? Joseph didn't do anything. He shouldn't be in prison. He did the right thing and we want our happy ending. Don't we we want, we want Joseph out of there. Well, this is the way out. Have you ever been in this situation in your life where you're struggling and everything starts looking like you're like, I, I'm out. I, I, I'm good. I'm going to get the job. I, I think, I, I think it's, you know, I've been faithful. I've been telling everybody that I'm okay. Uh, I'm sick. And I mean, I, you know, I've been, I'm going to I'm, I'm be okay. Uh, Someone I love is sick. They're gonna be fine. That's how this is supposed to end because what we're trying to do, which is incorrect, and I've been as guilty of it as anybody. So this is not me talking at you, this is me talking with you. We tend to try to create heaven on earth. But this isn't, this has never been intended to how it's it's not gonna end well here. It isn't. Where, where it's going to end well is if we've been redeemed when all of these problems of our flesh and of this fallen place are over. You, know, you start thinking that you've got heaven on earth if you live in Fort Myers, and then here comes the hurricane. And suddenly everybody's drowning and everything's gone, and you're like, well, I guess this isn't heaven on earth. Because like that, the beauty of Fort Myers can be gone. Like that. Did God not know about the hurricane? Did he? Did it sneak up on God? Did he not see it coming? Was he surprised by it? Were there no believers there? Is there no church there? Are none of his people there? Do you think there were people that have served God throughout the, uh, since their redemption, and they're solid as a rock, and the water took them out just like it did people who aren't? Probably. Probably so. And even if they got out, they does that mean that only, the, hey, the followers of Christ, when they come back, their house hadn't even moved. It's still there. It's only those evil lost people whose houses are destroyed. No, I'm sure a lot, a lot of followers of Christ came back and their stuff was gone because that's not, it's not here because maybe what God said is this hurricane's going to make you even, you can serve me even better through this hurricane. I really will. I'll really be glorified through this, because people will see your faith and they'll see that it's real. And you say, "Aren't but but where's the grace on the cross?" Because all of us deserve to be swept away by something and cast into an eternal fire. And the fact that that's not going to happen, I'm not sure what gripe we have with God. So, uh, but at this point, if I'm watching the movie, I'm like, "Well, there it is." Joseph's out. This this cupbearer can't wait to get back and tell Pharaoh about Joseph because Joseph was so good to him. But this is another lesson about watch out for your reasons to do the right thing. Now, we're going to learn a lesson from Joseph on on the second uh, dream that I'm going to be honest with you, until I prepared this lesson, I had missed. I, I just always thought this, one good dream, one bad dream, Joseph gets left in jail. That part I got. But, but I missed something here. When the chief baker saw that his uh, that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Anybody think he he liked he like, he, like, he liked seeing that first one, didn't he? Now that sounds good. Hey, can't wait to tell you about my dream. So he says to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket. Uh, There were all sorts of baked food for the pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. That's not good. You don't want the birds. If pharaoh eats out of that basket, you're probably in pretty good shape. You don't want the birds. In the Egyptian, all the many things they worship, uh, birds had all kinds of symbolism, but one of the things that the birds symbolized was death. Uh, Because why? They're eating the rotting bodies of dead people. Uh, They're scavengers. And um, so uh, Joseph probably picks up on that uh, before the old old baker does. Um, And Joseph answered and said, uh, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Now he heard that with the cupbearer, so he's like, oh, here we go. I'm out in three. I'm out in three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. Yep, I'm leaving. But he's going to take your head off your body. Come again? At this point, this is that thing where don't you know he wants another interpreter? Uh, he's like, well, this guy may not get everything. Is, him, is there anybody else? And he says, and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. That not not such good news there. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like the cupbearer, does it? We don't know why these dreams are different. We don't know why that uh, you know maybe one offense was worse than the other maybe not maybe it was just uh, the way things play out. but here's the thing that I missed. I missed this I, I have a, a commentary here from J.W Ferguson uh, and and I missed when he was talking to the uh, to the cupbearer versus when he talks to the baker. So let's admit, that um, that it would have been real easy for Joseph to know it's bad news but not give it. I miss that all these years of of, of reading this historical account. Think about couldn't Joseph just easily said, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know about this dream. I'm not sure I understand it. I'm sorry. I understood the cupbearers. I just don't really understand yours just because he didn't want to tell the person bad news. He didn't want to tell them the truth. But, but that's not what Joseph did. He sees these birds eating out of the top of the basket, and he knows that that's not good because of what I told you. And uh, many Old Testament descriptions of the horrors of wars uh, which go wrong, you, you see that too. And um with all the birds eating all the people that had died. And um, the, he, he, if you notice next, it says that he sort of missed it. It's like, a, you know, why didn't the baker himself know these images from the Egyptian uh, lore? but but he missed it somehow. And um, but Joseph had little hesitation giving him the true interpretation. And this is something that I think that, um, that we can learn from because I doubt we're going to be asked to interpret many dreams, but sometimes, I have been guilty of this, sometimes we just don't want to tell people the truth when we should. Sometimes we need to say to the person, this is bad. This is not good. The way you're living your life is bad. What you did to your wife is bad. What, What you're doing in front of your children is bad. God hates this. And instead of just wanting to play nice and not have an uncomfortable moment, think about how many times you knew something was going on that was bad, and it was clearly bad, and you let it ride, and I let it ride. Because I just didn't want the discomfort. Afraid someone may think I was judgmental. Uh, afraid someone might uh, just not. I don't want to tell someone something that that isn't good. And uh, and and there have been moments where I found myself dealing with situations where people say, "Well, this, 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 and this." I mean, don't you think that this person is going to be all right? And, and, and me know deep down, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think they're all right. I think if they die right now, I think they're going to hell. And, and if something doesn't change, they're going to go to hell. What they're doing is not okay. Look, I've seen people do it with their own children. I know my children are participating in something that completely conflicts with Scripture, But instead of loving them enough to tell them that if they don't repent and they continue to live this way, they will be separated from God. And I'm not saying that because I'm mad or I'm trying to win an argument. I'm saying that because I truly love you enough to tell you the truth that this is bad. But yet they just change their view on it because they want everything to be okay. They don't want Christmas to be uncomfortable. They don't want to. They don't want to have to uh, a wedding or something present itself where they say, "I can't attend that." They they don't. They would much rather keep a nice relationship with their children, or with their family, than to tell them the truth they need to hear, even if it cost them the relationship. Because it's just, it's just uncomfortable. I want to. Play. And you know what's horrible about that, is you may have a nice Thanksgiving. It may go great. You may have nice social events, nice family gatherings, nice Christmas. But, oh, the day that you hear that maybe that person is gone, those nice Thanksgivings and those nice Christmases and that that nice wedding is not going to mean a whole lot. And you're probably going to think, I should have just told the truth. I should have just told the truth. Lovingly, gently, and and, and caring, again, not trying to win an argument or trying to be right, but sometimes we shrink back from telling people what they need to hear. And I am so thankful that God placed people in my life finally that said to me what I needed to hear. Rick, your claim to be redeemed is just not true. The evidence of your life, it just isn't true. You are delusional. And if you die, I do not think you will be in the presence of the Lord. I sure am glad I heard that. Because then I I, I could be mad. I could walk away, but you know what? if I had been mad at that pastor that God used to save my life, and if I had walked away from him, angry at him, mad at him and calling him mean, you know what he was able to do? look at the Lord and say, "I told him. I do that all the time. I, I've gotten to the point now because there's so much going on. If people turn away from me and what I, what I will do is I will shift to the people that don't. Doesn't mean I give up, I keep praying for them if another opportunity presents itself, but I am done with wasting valuable time on people who won't hear the truth because then I'm neglecting the people that want to. Uh, you know, do you you never ever... you don't, Did anybody look in Scripture and see Jesus chase, chasing after the young rich ruler? What he said was not, not comfortable... Tell you what your problem is. It's not, and that's not. It's not a message about wealth and who's wealthy. Abraham was wealthy. Job was wealthy. It's not about that. This particular man, Jesus knew his idol, and he said, "You'll never be right with me unless you sell everything and follow me." It it, it it's a stumbling block for you. He knew it. He knows yours. He knows mine. And the guy looked and said, "Jesus was so right." That he couldn't give it up. Now there's some theologians that think later he did. Some think he might even be Mark. I don't. I can't. I have. I can't prove that. Scripture doesn't say that. But there's been some discussion that maybe that guy came back around. I don't know. I'm only going to deal with that moment. We do not see Jesus saying, "Hey, I'm sorry. I said that. Okay, come back. I'm so sorry. Please, please follow me. Okay, maybe sell some of it." I'm so sorry. I want us to be friends. I don't want you to be mad at me. I didn't want that to be hurtful. No, he said, look, if you want to be right with me, then for you to get it right, this is what you need to do. And when the guy said, I just, I know, and walks away from him, you know what Jesus does? He shifts to those that are following him. So, so try not tell people the truth and love them if they don't like it, and they go away, it may come up later, it it may work out down the road, but please don't let people that don't want to hear the truth take away your valuable time and energy and peace that you could be devoting to other people who do want to know and will respond to the truth and desire to be discipled. And sometimes that's hard to do. But that example of him not being afraid to tell this man the truth, I had missed all the years that I knew that. It's really pretty awkward what he does, but he does it. So the uh, verse 20, on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. By the way, I did a lot of study on that. Watch out when it's the king's birthday. Did you know this? I didn't know this. Did you know that was one of the most terrifying times for the subjects? Not good when the king's having a birthday. He's knocking them back. He's having a party, and there's it, it. You don't ever know what he's going to find pleasurable. Could be killing you. You know they, they said these these were the times when they were always throwing people in jail, killing people, uh, coming into uh, your neighborhood and taking more taxes. They loved to celebrate on their birthday, and many times they would be it'd be a lot of debauchery, and 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 they looked at the subjects as disposable. You know, it, say that one day I went by and the king said, you yeah, I don't really like Burgess. And and, and he moves on because he's busy that day on his birthday. He's like, go get me Burgess. I think today's the day. I want that as part of my party. You do realize that's when John the Baptist's head was cut off, Herod's birthday. See, it gets out of hand. They, they start wanting to show off in front of everybody, and, and they want to celebrate, and they get to drinking, doing drugs, uh, smoking that opium. And then before you know it, they start wanting to see somebody get killed. So on the birthday, bad day for the baker. So um, Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants, see him showing off, and uh, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the cupbearer, just as Joseph said, to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but hang the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them All right. so once again Joseph has done the right thing and he has even told the cupbearer hey I told you it's going to be good when you get before Pharaoh because you're going to be back and this is an influential role you're the cupbearer tell him about me I shouldn't be here okay do we all agree in the room? or you watching wherever you are? Is it a fact that Joseph should not be in jail? That is a fact. He is, that's not justice on earth. He shouldn't be there, right? Now, look at 23. Yet, the cheap cuff bearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Hmm. Again, I don't know how. Joel and Victoria Holstein deal with this kind of stuff uh, because it seems to be in conflict with everything they try to teach, um, and um, that that God's ultimate goal is and you is is for us to be happy and for us to, you know, I mean we, they've even said things like don't even do it for God do it for yourself because God likes when you're when you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> wow, uh, no wonder their church is packed. But anyway, so. So let's let's look at this in verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. Now this is the, this is this is the big takeaway this week. The chief cupbearer, we know because Moses tells us, he forgot him, right? Did God forget him? No. So God right here this could have been God's ticket out for joseph right it was designed beautifully i mean we we have him there we bring these men in he's got himself in a place of a little bit of authority with the with the you know the the head guy there at the jail uh he's serving these guys he's getting to know these guys god's showing him some grace while he's there and uh, see don't ever don't ever forget that he gets placed in potiphar's house he gets placed in the jail but inside that suffering God still gives him a little bit of a break. So I want you to hear me loud and clear. This is big, and you need to, y'all need you need to catch this too. This is big. Rick, I need to hear this. Listen, as bad as it may be for you right now, if you're under the authority of our Lord and Savior, it could be worse. And he's showing you grace that's not worse than it is, even though he hadn't delivered you from it yet. We see him making the suffering for Joseph not as bad as it could have been. Everything Paul listed, we kind of can come to the conclusion it could have been worse. Right? It could have been worse. So there's grace in that. But ultimately, the Lord God Almighty knows that he's taken Joseph, and at one point we know this happens. I hate to give this away for those of y'all that have never studied these historical events before. Joseph is going to get where God wants him, and he's going to have his moment where he's going to be standing before everybody who's wronged him, and that day is coming. And, and he's going to have a very important role to help God's chosen people, the very people who sold him into slavery, Okay? He's working out a whole deal with Joseph. And you got to get this. I got to get this. In this moment, don't miss this point because God is speaking and we need to be listening. He is showing Joseph by the fact that this should have been his way out. He is also telling Joseph, not yet, because Joseph saw that was a way out. Instead of us, instead of me, when we think we're close to this ending and it not working, us going, what are you doing? I mean, that would have been my way out. We go, oh, so not yet because that was clearly it. I should have got that job. That treatment should have worked. It worked on everybody else. Uh, That was the opportunity for that relationship to be restored. That was the opportunity for that. It was right there, God. I saw it. That was a perfect way that you could have come through. And if God says, I I made sure you saw it that way so you know that was not the time. Can you flip it? Why in the world would he set this up and for Joseph to be so close and think he's getting out and, and then have the cupbearer forget him What he's telling Joseph is, so you know that that could have been your way out. And I didn't let it happen. So you hear from me, you're not ready yet. I'm going to temper your suffering and extend it so that when the moment comes, you'll actually be ready. Can you learn to see it that way? That's the way it is. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a motivational speaker. That's what God's doing. And the one thing we've been trying to do in the eight years plus years we've been in here is we are seeking and pursuing God that though our finite minds may not be able to comprehend everything he is because we are limited by our finite minds, however, our goal is is to come in here and say, but everything you have revealed about yourself, I want to know it. And you know what he says? That's why it's here. I'm not withholding this from you. I'm not. How long, how long have we had this piece of history? That I I don't know who you are in suffering. Well, it's not because I hadn't told you. i m I've made this available. Go learn about me and what but what we what we make the mistake of and I've done this just because we can't know everything we use as as an excuse not to know anything but there's so much he has not withheld from us so much he hasn't he he said there it is this ought to help you you see what I'm doing this ought to help you and so we know that Joseph is going to Stay there a little bit longer, and when you go through this Joseph story, and you know he is a uh, a foreshadowing, as we have in uh, um, in scripture, all these people that God raises up and their story is pointing to Messiah, pointing to Jesus. You see all the analogies that he's that he's like a Christ. He's not Messiah, but he he's showing us the foreshadowing. Joseph is one of those a type of Christ that, is, that are throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament. And this is one. He is now imprisoned even though he's done nothing to deserve it. He's also in prison but continues to do the right thing. You, you Don't miss that. We do the right thing simply because that's what we're supposed to do and we find solace and the fact that we didn't fail the test. Yeah, I mean, you might have you might have done the right thing, but they still threw you in jail. I, what did we say last week? I'd rather be in jail right with God than with the cupbearer in Potiphar's house sinning against God. Right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the message today. Thank you so much uh, for all that you are doing and all that you have revealed. Uh, Lord, we just... We just celebrate that we even have um, any opportunity to know anything about you. You are God and we are not. But you, being so gracious, you still reveal to us so many things that help us when we're in our time of despair, our time of not fully comprehending what's going on. You remind us that as long as we're with you, It may not be our timing, and you may not be what we consider to be early, but you, Lord, are never late. And you will deliver us, if that is your will and your time, so that we will not embarrass you. So we celebrate our refinement. As the Apostle Paul told us, we celebrate calamity, because when these things make us weak, That is when we're finally strong, because then we lean totally on your power and not our own. Thank you, Lord, for tolerating us and for forgiving us. In your name we pray. Amen. If I can help you in any way, you can reach me, Rick, at BurgessMinistries.com. Thanks for being with us.